the arsonist has oddly shaved feet. Unique New York. Unique. All right. Welcome to You Gotta Love It, the show where you tell us and the rest of the world the things that you love that we might have missed, the show where you come to discover the best things you never knew existed, and the show where you can tell us, you, the show where you can force us to sit through the worst entertainment you can find and say, well, you gotta love it. Full disclosure here, we uh, recorded that intro once before and it was it was a little better. Andrew was distracting me by, I don't know, pulling things. What were you doing down there? No, I just the Kiba was just on the ground here and I Oh, you want I, you just wanted to get her going no. in time for recording? <laughs> Good point. Yeah. I'll keep my hands to myself. Uh yeah, well, some of the spontaneity maybe this is gonna be a No, it's no? okay. No, okay, we got whatever. It. Anyway, let's do it. Let's do it. So my name is Koji. I am a part-time camper or at least i will be next weekend we're uh, we're going away home and full-time nostalgia hunter which will play in a second here with me as always is my good friend and first overall draft pick Andrew that's Patterson. Right. that's right yeah first first overall so uh andrew and i we just had a draft for a soccer league that we're in called walking soccer and as the name suggests, it's a league where you must walk while playing soccer. But the caveat is you have to have at least a half full beer in your hands at all times. And it can get a little dirty. People secretly, while the refs aren't looking, knock beer out of your hands. Very you can, physical. Yeah. You can throw beer in people's faces. And the penalties, uh, you can get tabasco which, wait, was it tabasco yep, Tabasco yeah, yeah. in your beer and you have to finish it. Do shots though, tequila shots. What's that? What's oh, that? no, that's prairie like a violation. Fire. A prairie fire, but what's the I can't remember what you have to do to deserve that. Okay, well, the, the Tabasco and the beer is when you hot step. Well, hot right, stepping is right, running, right? When you run, oh, shit. and then yeah. if you actually commit a penalty, like say the ref catches you knocking a beer out of somebody's hands, or you, fire. you intentionally kick it out of bounds or something, yeah, you got yeah. a prairie fire. We, and we should also mention that this isn't just like a it's like an all day thing, like you play several games. Oh, yeah. They're it's not. They're a, not that short. It's a tournament. Uh, so I am know, a team captain. It's pretty drunk. Um, it's, it's pretty drunk. Yeah, is a good sentence <laughs> that one might use to describe it. A day of. And Andrew, this is his. I think we've been doing. We've had what six or seven of them. I don't know. Last year was my rookie year. Yeah, and we almost took the title. We. Oh yeah, Andrew was on my team last on, year. Yeah. Unfortunately, your, not my on my team this year. No. It's cool though. It's gonna be. There's gonna be some good competition there. Yeah, I wanted to draft you, man, but it's all right. You know, it is what it Steve's is. He's a good pick, man. Yeah. Steve's a good dude. He's a good competitor. Uh, he's a good athlete. He's a good person. I mean, maybe next year we'll just do a whole team. You gotta love it. Where oh. it's like you, I, Andrew, uh, Andrew, Daryl. Yeah, we'll you keep get Tom, Ted. You could get. Yeah, we could we'll get, get Ted. Ted. We'll keep Tom off the team because he hasn't I, been on the yo, show. I res- and never will be. <laughs> I respect Just Ted's kidding. competitive fire. That yeah. was an intense game, elimination game that we played. Anyway. This isn't, uh, you got to drink it or something. Um, so. We should do that one time though. This week, yeah, we should. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. This week is a, uh, we should do an all Kratom episode. <laughs> we'll talk, we'll uh, talk after Way Home. Uh, this week is part one of a two-part nostalgia episode where we look at things relating to our childhood. Now, this isn't exactly relating to our childhood because this is the 80s revival edition. And by that, I mean 
The hidden gem for the week is a Netflix show by the name of Stranger Things. And the you gotta love it is Ghostbusters 2016. I will get to Ghostbusters in a second. I have a little bit of a disclaimer before we get into it. Sure. But let's first start off by talking about Stranger Things, a.k.a. the greatest Great. Netflix show ever. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty fucking amazing. So I forget. I can't even remember how. Like So yeah, the, dis- the disclaimer that I wanted to mention is that I feel like that we're using this as the hidden gem right now, but I think that the show is going to blow up. I think that this is, at the time of recording, it's been out for like three days it came out on friday saturday sunday today uh we we have both seen the entire thing but i feel like at this point still like everybody that i talk to about it or tell about it or i'm like yo you guys got to watch the show people still haven't heard of it people still don't know but then the people that i have told that maybe i talked to like a day later have already watched like half of it so i think it's gonna catch like wildfire it's gonna it's gonna i think it has the yeah it has the potential to go the distance and become a Netflix success story for 2016. They well, already have tons of them, but what's funny is, um, Daryl and I on the weekend went to go see Ghostbusters, and we saw a late show, like a 10:30 show or something. And after the movie, Daryl was like, "Well, come by my place. We'll have a few beers and we'll watch a show, Stranger Things. It's like a 80s, you know, revival nostalgia type show." And I'm like, "Ah." I don't know. I don't know if I'm into that. Like, I, I don't need to be kowtowed to, you know, I, I'm, I am a sucker for nostalgia. I am. But like, sometimes it's a little too heavy handed. And I'm like, Kung Fury is a good example. It's a little, I mean, it's I thought a little it was funny, on the nose. But yeah, it's, it's a little too like, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, for my taste. And I was like, I don't know about this. Right. But, you know, I'm not going to turn down some free beers at Daryl's place. So we, Watched one episode that evening or one and a half episodes that evening. And then I went home and by the end of the next day, I had watched the entire show. Yeah. And the funny thing from my perspective, what happened was I messaged Daryl before Daryl and Koji went into the movie. So probably like around 1030. Just being like, ah, like I'm not going to make it to the movie or something like that. But I was like, by the way, Stranger Things, because I had at that point watched like the first episode and a half or two episodes. Right. When I got home from work and I was just like. He was like, yeah, I'm really excited to watch it. So this was at like 1045 before you guys went into a movie that presumably got you home after midnight. Oh, yeah. You know, probably closer to one o'clock. And then the next day I saw Daryl and he had what he was like four episodes ahead of me. <laughs> and then while I was hanging out with Daryl, we got a message from Koji or like on Daryl got a text from Koji and Koji had finished the show. And I was just like, what the fuck, guys? <laughs> like I literally I was like so excited to be at least partially like ahead of the game and you guys just dusted me both finishing the show before but now yeah we've all we both watched the whole thing um oh yeah and it's fantastic so we're gonna you know we're infamous for spoilers but we're going to make this look at the show spoiler free yeah because part of the fun of the show i mean to be honest with you someone could tell me exactly what happened in fact after watching the first episode I pretty much told Daryl exactly what was going to happen and it is what happened. But, okay. but I still loved every fucking second of it. You know, it's so good, man. I, I, I think this was the point where I was saying I will spoil one thing about the show. 
and it's that it's the, got the best opening credits that you might see this year. If yeah. that's something oh, that yeah. you're into, it's something that I'm into. The, but the music, oh my god, the music, Doo-doo. the visuals, Doo-doo-doo-doo. the visuals, like the red lines, like the the font that they picked, everything is so perfectly selected and like refined just enough, and like it all fits together so well. The music, even the, the set design, even the, the credit costumes, fonts. the the credit. That's why I mean, and like the 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 key lines, the notes of the music. When the the I was talking to Daryl for like far too long, like yeah. the designer in me just being like when the it's doing like the final zoom out on the lettering and the opening credits and yeah. then it goes like and the key yeah. lines like come out at like the perfect speed like everything about it feels like you're watching oh man the, the title card so the title cards for each episode oh yeah where are, you then you oh, man, are very weird. like almost friday the 13th esque or something yeah. oh my god they they fucking nailed it but not in a very heavy-handed like it stands on its own oh yeah yeah. So one of the things I wanted to say was, although there's a huge nostalgia factor for me in the show, I feel like it's one of those things that can exist outside of that nostalgia factor. Like yeah, you don't, you don't need to understand what happened in the eighties or live through it or any yeah. of that to, to fully appreciate the show. I mean, there's definitely a feeling there that I, I mean, it's inexplicable. It's almost. the same. It's it's the same for me. It's the same for me as like um, Mad Men in a way, uh, where you have, uh, you know, like I obviously was not I was not alive <clears throat> in the '60s. I have no real connection to any of the things that happened in Mad Men. Uh, you know, beyond just like having you know some art books about like '60s lifestyle illustration and just sort of kind of knowing what was going on at least a little bit just you know yeah. knowing history but, but you drink and smoke in your office though right yeah cool yeah All right. uh no we no <laughs> i don't do those things yeah we- it's clean it's a clean it's a clean office but um but you know mad men nailed it like it felt like it like the everything the set design the costume design the acting the dialogue the you know the subject matter and everything about it felt even the intro for you know i know that it was just scraps of you know sort of old posters and advertisements and stuff, but, <clears throat> and RJD2 doing the, uh, doing the intro music there, but it still felt like of that era. And I feel like this show does the same thing without being like, like the show is set in like 1983 or in the early eighties and they nailed everything. Like again, like the set design, the costume design, the dialogue, like the casting is great. The, the colors, like everything, the music is fucking, it's amazing. But, uh, the poster, the poster's great. Yeah. It's like, it looks kind of like um, <clears throat> a brain fart. Drew Sturzen. Did you notice there's a bunch of his posters throughout the show as well? On the I walls and stuff? I did not notice his specifically. I noticed that there was just a lot of posters. Uh, there's, I mean, the show also bears a second watch just to see all of the little... There's so much detail in the basement even at the very beginning. Like yeah. Kids sitting in the basement. Like it's like, you know, playing D&D. Like it's there's so many things in that room the toys you know the decoration the wood panel you know like everything about it just seems oh, so, so good. the show feels authentic yeah it, it just does and i mean there there's definitely a soft spot for me because i was so it has a very freaks and geeks excuse me a very freaks and geeks meets like super eight i don't know meets friday the 13th or something feel to it and when i say freaks and geeks i mean there's a distinct you know two age groups going on here there's the younger nerdier crew 
and the like older teenager coming of age crew mm-hmm. and the younger nerdier crew feels like my friends in the 80s in the basement playing D&D. I mean, the lead guy looks almost identical to a good friend of mine that I had growing up. So it's I, there's that factor, you know, that kind of pulls me into it. But at the, at the same time, it just it feels like one of those movies that I love so much from the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, you it's know? great. And uh, another forgive me because I'm not going to remember who he said it was, but Daryl had mentioned that one of our friends described it as similar, you know, like I would say that Super 8 in itself was a movie that was, you know, J.J. Abrams paying homage to Spielberg, you know, 80s movies. Yeah, yeah. So this is sort of like that, it's got that Spielberg, but also a little bit of like John Carpenter 80s horror kind of thing going on for it. I, I mean, the the music especially and like just sort of the look and feel. With a modern but, twist. I mean, they're, they're not, a, yeah. they're, they don't shy away from violence. It's well, not overly I mean, but that's that, but that was, I mean, that's what I mean, sort of like uh, Spielberg movies had sort of, there's some sort of unsettling scenes if you're a kid, you know, yeah. um, but like nothing that was like. Well, until they edit out the guns for walkie-talkies. Okay. I'm but, just kidding. But, but, I, but you know what I mean? Like there's not like, yeah, no, no. there's not excessive blood or, you know, violence, graphic violence, but um, there's like distinctly horror genre elements sure. of the show. Yeah, yeah. Like that were scary mm-hmm. <laughs> like they were like for, um but yeah it was awesome and also just kind of going back to you talking about those kids, like where did they find these kids man where did they find those kids oh they are perfect they all of them so, were so, so good perfect and the i don't know arguably one of the main protagonists of the show uh her name is 11 or l is does a the most amazing job i i've seen yeah and it's interesting fucking... because the show kind of plays with uh, the whole 80s. So 80s was really big on futuristic technology. Like technology was really coming into its own in the 80s. And they wanted to make everything look hyper futuristic. And I think that that's why a lot of the 80s style movies, like War Games, for example, um, it's kind of like man versus technology and our own hubris getting out of control. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly that, you know, without giving anything away. I mean, we, it sounds like we're just like gushing all over this, this show, but it's nailed it in every sense. The feel, the themes, the writing, the characters, like the nerds are. And the reason I mentioned freaks and geeks earlier is because the kids that they got to play their nerds on that show weren't like, you know, super actory type kids pretending to be nerds. It just seemed yeah. like they were actually nerds. And this, this show is exactly like that too. Yeah. It's just a very satisfying, you just, I mean, you want more when it's done. At least I wanted more. Oh man. And but like the sister's best friend, what's her name? Carol. I think the one that, the Barbara, Barbara. Oh, like the whole eighties, the glasses. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. So on the wanting more. Yeah. First of all, I would say, if you can help yourself, do not binge this show. Because as soon as it was over, I was sad. Yeah. Also, don't Google it. If you're listening to this and you want to know more about it, don't. Honestly, it's kind of like Coherence when we were talking about Coherence. Like, yeah. You should just watch it because really Googling 
even looking for the poster art we were talking about, like you're going to see something that will probably take some of the fun out of the show for you or read something, yeah. I would say. I don't know what would be in the poster that I would see that would take No, no, I mean aside from the poster. Oh, the poster okay, yeah, being yeah. the thing that would entice you, but like Google isn't going to limit it to the, you know, like you're going to, you could type half of the title and it's going to show you a bunch of shit probably and even just the first oh, three like results. Oh, like most recent searches or whatever? Yeah. yeah, it'll just be like, oh, well, okay, you know, uh, so worth, so worth checking out. It's just, uh, the other thing that I would almost compare it to the feeling, not the feeling of the show, yeah, but why I think it's going to blow up is it's sort of like we were talking about earlier, like, oh, it might not, we don't feel like the nostalgia factor would make it unenjoyable for somebody that couldn't relate to those things. Right. But it's sort of like Game of Thrones to me in that Game of Thrones on paper is not uh, the most accessible. I mean, it's it's accessible. Obviously, it's blown up. It's like modern era TV, the most watched show, right? Or but, something but like looking that. at but, it or having just read yeah. the books, you wouldn't be like, yeah. everyone's going to love this. Yeah. And it's sort of like, you know, hardcore sort of like, you know, fantasy heads that read all these books that knew about the books before the show. Like I didn't even know about I read fantasy and I didn't I was unaware where I wasn't privy to the fact that these books have been coming out since the 90s when the first oh, season came out. I didn't know that. I went to a bookstore once, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, I'm looking for something new to read. And he, the guy at the at the bookstore was like, okay, well, have you heard of Songs of Ice and Fire? And I think by this time there were two books out. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, those look long as a fuck yeah no thanks <laughs> hey his second suggestion was east of eden which is also long as fuck and i read that it's one of the best books i've ever read but well, there you go but these good good recommendations bop bop ding bop 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 ding bop i think uh i just mean like i think it has sort of a crossover appeal like now it's not just like people that you know are like wear Lord of the Rings costumes to like fan expo and have read like, you know, 75% of the fantasy novel section at your local bookstore that are into game of Thrones. It's like people that are into fantasy and like into nerdy stuff, but it's also the appeals to people that are like the polar opposite of that, that are just, they just, it's just a great show that they love watching. And it's like a kind of a cultural phenomenon now. And it's just sort of in the mainstream. So I feel like this is sort of like, it could have that, same appeal in that it may seem very niche but you know it's no uh, i think it's gonna hit all all the bases yeah it's just so well done it's so well done even if you take the sci-fi out of it there's something for everyone the whole coming of age story i think some people will enjoy the just the nerds you know some people can relate to that or the adults teen teen drama even the the adult drama yeah 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 i mean it's there's not like an uh, you know what? I'm not going to say what there is or isn't like in the show because <laughs> I don't want to ruin it. But it's, yeah, I don't know. And I will say that if you do hear some spoilers, it's it won't ruin it for you. I don't think it's going to ruin it because after watching the first episode, I basically said to Daryl, this is what's going to happen. Here's what Eleven's character is. Here's what all these other characters are. Here's how it's going to go. And it pretty much played out like that but only because I've seen so many of these movies, but I was not disappointed at all. But to go back to something you said way, way back, and we got off on a tangent, was you wanted more. Right. I was just about to ask you that. I was about to bring you back and be like, so tell me about this more. Yeah, so the more is, and very interesting. They've already written this second season. And uh, Netflix has not ordered it yet, but Matthew Modine, 
who is one of the people on the show. I should also mention, so Matthew Modine is in it, uh, Winona Ryder, and oh, what's the name of the guy who plays the cop? Cannot remember. Anyway, he's also, uh, you'll see his face and you'll be like, ah, that guy. Um, <laughs> but uh, Matthew Modine has said that they are going to make a second season, although Netflix has not ordered it yet. But the second season, true to form of the show, is not going to pick up where the first season left off, but is going to be a sequel to the first season. What? Yeah. Wow. So in the same way that part two of a movie from, you know, the 80s. from the 80s might be... I mean, there are a few that you can touch on that are, you know, pick up exactly where the where the first one left off, like Friday the 13th, for example, the, the first one and the second one. I mean, it's essentially one long movie. But, you know, most 80s films, the sequels kind of maybe like a year later, it's the same characters, whatever. So they're... The second season of this is going to be a sequel, which for some reason, just like, I'm super excited about that. Yeah, that's amazing. That's, I can't, we can't, again, we can't really talk about maybe why that could be amazing. We can revisit it later after you've had time to watch it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know that there's, it's fuck. it's hard, man, without talking about any of the details, but I think it's important that we don't, but it's, it's just... It's fucking amazing. It's like, it is honestly like what well, I have not had that feeling watching something in a long time. I felt even like movies that I've been excited for yeah, um, have not been maybe, you know, they've lost some of their, their flavor. I still enjoy things, but I'm just like, I go see something new that I'm pumped for. And I'm like, oh yeah, like that was pretty good. But this, like this had me like, I was oh, just yeah. like, fuck, this is so good. Well, Every minute for of me, it. it came out of nowhere and I was so, just like, so this is exactly well, so what I wanted. Uh, and I will say that the first season, if there is going to be a second season, is a complete story. So it's not as if they leave it super open-ended where you're like, ah, cliffhanger, I can't wait to see what's going to happen. And it's interesting because they said they didn't want to do what The Killing did. I don't know if you've seen the show The Killing. Another amazing show on Netflix. AMC, AMC uh, show. Yeah, and then moved to Netflix. The, the last season was on Netflix. Exclusive. Uh you know, they kind of had this mystery going and they left it on a huge cliffhanger at the end. Is that whole show just one mystery? No, no. But oh. the first two seasons are one mystery. How many seasons are there? Four? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I yeah. I thought there was only like two seasons of that show. No. I remember because it was always on, I think, after Mad Men or before Mad Men. So whenever I switched over from HBO to like catch my Dude. Mad Men recording, it was just like the last three minutes. And I was if like, you, oh, that's cool. If you have some time, check it out. And the guy who plays the new Robocop, uh yeah yeah no i know yeah unreal it was also on house of cards i believe yes the most recent season yeah correct which oh fuck no that's too much of a tangent oh man house of cards no go what, what i was just gonna say i was just gonna say which by the way almost feel like it's an are you kidding me because i've heard a lot of people complaining about the fourth season i know sh- f- no. yo fourth season of house of cards was f- unreal i love every season of that oh show. yeah absolutely but i just mean like there is almost a concern, even like my, my parents who like love the show. Yeah. They were worried when they had watched like the first half of it that it was going to, you know, again, without giving anything away, that it was going to kind of jump the shark. And I also had that feeling, but then they just nailed the landing. I'll like it a- just like is so fucking worth making it to the last episode of season four because you're just like, oh man, it's so good. So we're in a golden, golden age of TV. Sorry, I'm yelling yeah. so loud. No, I'm just okay. so excited. For me, I, House of Cards goes one, two, four, three. Anyway. Season-wise. Um, 
so to to rewind a second here and go back to it, uh, it the ending is not super open. open ugh, the ending of the show is not super open ended. So it does give you a sense of completeness, but it does leave a few threads there. Yeah, for you, it's per, it ends j- exact same way that one of the movies that it so deftly, yeah, plays up like per, like exactly, yeah, like yeah. almost to the second. Like you're like you know when you're watching it, you're like, oh. yeah, there's there's enough time here. Oh man, it's great, man. And I, you know, like I'm, uh, Alamo Draft House, Mondo. Yeah. Mondo Music, I'm looking at you. I'm expecting a beautifully packaged vinyl uh, pressing of the score to this TV show. Oh, if that happens, let me know, because I would actually buy that. Yeah, I would absolutely buy it. I And uh, we'll come back to that, actually, in our recommendations later. But that, but... Oh, I so think I know good. what's coming. It's so good. Uh, yeah, I don't really want to say too much more about that. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Just check it out, guys. Just check it out. And... You know what? Let us know what you think. Email us mailbag at loveitpod.com or hit us up at loveitpod on both Twitter and Instagram. And I'm not just plugging our social media because I'm awful at social media. So it's not like I want you to follow my social media. No, fuck that. I want to know what you think of the show. Just tell me. I'll read it on the show. We can talk about it because the more more we can talk about the show, the happier I'll be. I love it. Yeah, the less we have to talk about... uh Lars von Trier's films, <laughs> like Antichrist, the more that we talk about other stuff. So, Yeah. Uh, okay, so on to the You Gotta Love It for the Week, Ghostbusters brackets 2016. Yeah. You said that you had a disclaimer. For this, is that for this? Uh, yeah, it is for this. Okay. You go first, because I have... Well, it's so not really a disclaimer, but... I've seen some things on Facebook, uh, some people posting, you know, I'm so glad that this movie has finally happened. You know, as a little girl, I would watch all these movies and, you know, finally there's some heroes that I can look up to. And I fully appreciate that. I There's a lot for me to love in this film, you know, but I'm going to be honest, I thought it was crap. And it, and it has nothing to do with the female cast because I, I thought a lot of them were great, you know, and we can get that, into that in a second. And I liked a lot of aspects of this film. It just, uh, you know what? I'm going to explain what I didn't like as soon as you, I feel like you have something to say here. So I'll let you speak and then I'll tell you what I didn't like about it. All I was going to say is that as seems to be the case more and more. uh, Oh, sorry. One last thing before you you get in there. I just feel like for whatever reason, people have a propensity to, you know, accuse people of hating women if they, don't like this film and I'm let me let me be the first one to say that I did not speak about this film before it came out neither positively nor negatively I wasn't like oh it's all female or just watch the trailer and was like it's gonna be crap I'm like you know what I'm gonna wait and see and I saw it we saw it opening weekend yeah you know so it's not as if I was you know hesitant to go see it and it has nothing to do with any of the anything gender related right anyway what were you gonna say uh, I find that, so I, so Koji went and saw this movie with Daryl. They saw it on Friday. I saw it earlier today as of this recording yeah. alone, <laughs> just by myself, just yeah, went yeah. to the theater to check it out. And I find that like, I've seen a lot of movies with Daryl that we both love that a lot of people don't like, or they think are stupid. 
And I find that like most of the movies that I've seen with a group of people or other people, I end up coming away from that movie with a similar opinion. You know, sometimes we can like, there are like nitpicky things that kind of were like, oh, this could have been better. This could have been better. But overall, people sort of enjoy it the same. Yeah. But more and more, I'm finding that there's these incredibly disparate like views between, and there's lots of examples that have come up on this show, um, such as Jurassic World. Yeah. But it happened again here. I saw this today and I went into it just bare. You guys didn't give me any details, but I just got just enough from you and Daryl to be like, oh, Christ, like, here we go. I fucking like really enjoyed this movie, man. Like, I was in the theater and there was like maybe like 15 people. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like a busy. I went to like a really small theater to see it. Like, everybody was laughing, and I was expecting the joke. Based on the trailer, I saw the trailer, and I actually kind of felt let down by just the trailer. I was like, oh, it's not like, it's not really the vibe I was hoping it would be. But when I saw the actual movie, I was like, oh, this is, I was laughing, man. I And I thought, I just thought, I thought it was great. Like, I, so that that's all I was going to say. So it's just funny that you guys, we didn't see it together, and well, I feel like there would have been, like, a median, maybe. You know what, to be honest with you, I think that there's, there's um, levels to this. Because... I think you liked it. Daryl didn't like it. And I'm somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I thought the core of the movie was bad, but there's a lot about this movie that I enjoyed. But like in what way though? So here's what I didn't like. Let's get that out of the way. There were some really funny jokes in this movie. Like there are times when I laughed out loud and I almost... I was laughing out loud a lot in this movie. I almost never laughed out loud. But there were times when I I felt like they were trying to force a joke in a very kind of Melissa McCarthy-esque fashion. And I'm like, ah, this is not that funny. But whatever. I mean, her humor is just not for me for the most part. I loved her in Bridesmaids. Yeah. But I do not love her in starring roles, I'm going to be honest. But that, that was the only part of it. Another thing that I didn't like was all the characters were extreme caricatures of their personality types. And... Ghostbusters, the original, kind of does that. So I, I, I forgave it a little bit. But, the, I mean, there were points where it was too extreme. And the, the, two, the two characters that I loved were... Kate McKinnon. Yeah. Love, and, uh, like, interestingly, Daryl hated her the most. Oh, this is so mind-blowing. But I loved Kate McKinnon, and I loved um, the protagonist. Who was the... Oh, Kristen Wiig? Yeah, Kristen Wiig. And the reason why I love them is because Kate McKinnon is like an off-the-wall, science-y type character who, who makes all the gadgets. So she was just like, you had no idea what was going to come out of her mouth or what she was going to do, and I love that. And then juxtaposed with the other character who was very kind of down-to-earth for the most part. And the other two characters, their personalities were very extreme. Anyway... Just two quick other things that I didn't like, and then we're going to get into all the things that I like, because there was a lot of them. Okay. The, the the second thing I didn't like was the science-y jargon was just all over the place. And it wasn't just one character being science-y, which I think would have been fine from my perspective, but they all seemed to know what the other ones were talking about, and I'm just like... I don't, I don't agree with that. I feel like it was the same as the sort of camaraderie between Dan Aykroyd and uh, Harold Ramis in the first one. Like, Kirsten Wig connects with... Melissa McCarthy, but it was, mo- you know, like, I don't but know. They, they I, were like finishing each other's sen- sentences like, oh, we need to put the like thingamajig in the thingamajig, like all this shit. And I'm just like, okay, 
you know, one is fine, maybe two, but three of you all talking about like, oh, the capacitor and I'm like, yeah. it it's like, it was like, I'd say the original Ghostbusters was like two guys that one guy that was like too cool to know about all that stuff. One guy that had no idea what was going on and yeah. then two guys that were over the top, like they were on the exact same wavelength. And this was just three and one maybe instead of two and two. I don't know. It wasn't like a big deal for me. It was just, there was a lot of that. Okay. The last thing. And then we're getting like again. I, there's a lot of yeah. About get this it, song. get it out of there, man. But the get last thing was the. I, I felt almost offended, and I'm not one to get no, no offended is not the right word, but I thought that the the black character in the film was a black character in the film. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like she was seconds away from doing the classic Will Smith, like oh hell no. Uh, she you definitely know. said that at least once uh, in the in the movie. There you go, but right? Like, yeah, and and I understand that that's kind of almost true to the original Ghostbusters kind of Plus feel, but her character I, she's like, but but they built her that gotta, way, yeah. right? To be that type of character, and I thought that the idea of of, of having the female cast and kind of changing the the or the idea was to totally change the tone or not totally change the tone, but to change the tone somewhat. But I just kind of felt like they tried to do a heightened version of the original Ghostbusters with a female cast. And it, I mean, it has nothing to do with the fact that they're female, but like if they're going to change things, why not just like change it? So two things. The first thing is, and this is going to connect a lot, I feel to the episode we did with Bennett yeah. about Jurassic world before we go too far. You've like several times mentioned the original Ghostbusters, you know. Well, we both have. It's impossible to make the compare, not make the comparison. No, I know, but like, I feel like, like, is this something where were you going into it expecting the old Ghostbusters? No, no, not expecting it, but just like when you were watching it, were you, did you find yourself just being like, oh, that was done better in the original? No, I, I, I found that they were drawing inferences and not, not. I mean, there there were some direct inferences to the original Ghostbusters, which we may or may not talk about. Ah, fuck it, we'll talk about it. But I I felt like they were trying to pull a similar sort of story arc with with that they did with yeah, the it original. It was like a reboot. Movie. It was like the exact same thing. Right. Yeah. Right. So exact it, same story. Well, it was like the same thing as Jurassic World. It wasn't eyes. like I was watching it thinking, oh, you know, compared to the original Ghostbusters. I didn't walk in with that attitude, but it, they kind of forced me into that position because they use the same arc essentially so to start a bit i will first say that i'm the thing that fuck i wish we should i wish we got daryl in on this episode but like what blows my mind what again the same thing with jurassic world was that i felt like the character that he i'm not going to talk too much about this because he's not here to you know to respond to it yeah um but what i liked about this movie was that Again, I felt like, like I love, I fucking love Ghostbusters 1 and 2. Like, I just love the original Ghostbusters movies. I just think they're, they'll just always hold a place in my heart. Like, I just think they're amazing. Mm-hmm. I loved that this was, to me, it was more in the vein of all of these other current comedies I like, like A Bridesmaids or A Hot Tub Time Machine or A Hot Rod. It, it had that, like, you know, for some people, maybe it's over the top, but the awkward, like, sometimes cuts lines that are a little bit out of place. And the character that was doing that the most was um, Kate McKinnon. Was, was Kate, yeah, was McKinnon, yeah. and it struck me as like the the SNL vibe that three of the four main characters had. 
yeah was present here but it wasn't it wasn't like in a way that i feel like you know you have the snl movies some of them are hits some of them are misses and the misses are when they really try to like play up that one character too much but i felt like in this they pulled exactly what i thought was hilarious about those people as just com- comedic actors like okay. across their characters like they like mckinnon is like the ant to me like when andy samberg was on that roast of james franco and he was yeah. painfully awkward and for me he stole the show it was easily like the best co- he went up on stage and was just like it took several minutes it felt for the room to like warm up to his style of humor because instead of just getting up there and fucking like dissing everyone yeah he was just super stilted and weird and like kind of making intentionally bad jokes almost yeah yeah she has that same awkwardness where she's just she just strikes me as like a very like odd person just in general you know like her her vibe and i can't really think of any especially like female comedians like if we're talking about female casts that that have that and uh i loved her character man she was like i thought that it was it was over the top but this movie had the the same feeling to me as a lot of these like i just said these other modern sort of faster paced more adrenaline fueled quicker delivery like there's way more jokes it's there's less like subtle Bill Murray just kind of being like a sleaze or saying something or doing like physical humor almost. And right. there's more just like over the top shit flying at you. I don't mind that in, in a character or even two characters, but there was no character in this film that was like a person, you know? Yeah. I mean, that kind of I guess, but like that, that's what, that's what really got me. But who was, who was the person in the original? I don't know. Ackroyd, I guess. Okay. Well, but he's not like zany. You know, he's not like over the top zany. He's like, I don't know. De- debatable, maybe. I don't know. They're all pretty. They're all pretty kooky guys in their own way. But anyway, I, I, um, anyhow, I, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it going into it, thinking it was going to be. And that's well, probably also why I enjoyed it so much because my I expectations were so low about this film. Yeah. Although pra- practical effects. Yes, that the looked great. Effects were amazing amazing yeah the go the the parade flow ghosts oh yeah oh wow and it and it was done in a way where at first i was like oh did you see it in 3d no oh i was like yo the cg i saw it at rainbow man that's why i just i saw it at like Uh, a tiny little theater yeah but i wasn't sure if it was 3d or not the 3d was sweet it was uh some of the practical effects it takes you a second at first you're just like this is just really well animated characters until you realize you're like oh this was similar to the original i mean the original there's puppets but there's like people in costumes right. and then just heavily edited after the fact mm-hmm. but like the motion like when they're fighting the pioneers and stuff at the end yeah also when you see the first ghost too that yeah. like girl in a dress you're like what this is crazy yeah and so something that i felt that this had just probably because of current film the capabilities of like what we can do with movies now versus yeah. even in the 80s was i haven't read any of the sort of reaction to this movie yet i haven't really read you know i'm aware kind of of it i'm aware of all the fucking moronic gender-based shit but i haven't really read about it but i feel like there'd be people that would almost be upset with the amount of action in like the later part of the movie no i loved it it was amazing yeah yo when kate mckinnon like pull like pulls out those two things and it's just like fucking like like uh, half gun half half whips and i was just like watching this like oh man it was almost like for me I think the original movie is like perfect as it is, but yeah. you almost want them to go toe to toe with more, you know, 
just with up, more of the just more action almost. Just you know? the, no, I just wanted them to, up, to update the effects because the effects in this film were. Yeah, oh. but I just mean like in the original, there's not a lot of that. There's them getting slimed and them running around, or like shots of them kind of standing still. There's right. no like scenes where they're like in an army, you know, yeah. like fight, like really going at it. You that was kind of left to the imagination with your action figures or like on the TV show, you know, the cartoon or something. The only like that. thing that really got me was when they were in that group fighting those ghosts. You know, they've kind of have built this the lore for all of the Ghostbusters films that the the beams don't really affect the ghosts other than to pull them in yeah. to trap them. But in this they were like damaging them? Yeah, somehow. Like kind of knock them out in some way. Yeah. You yeah, know that was so a I bit. was like, oh what's this? But I, I didn't I didn't let that get to me because what was happening in that scene was amazing. The Hemsworth yeah. character though, there are moments that I really liked him and I was like, ah oh, this guy's really funny. But then it just kinda it got old a little bit, I thought. But then they brought it back around again when he was inhabited by the ghost. And I was like, ah, this is funny again. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, it, you know, there, it, it definitely, it, there's some good moments there. It Honestly, like, I don't know the last time you watched Bridesmaids, but I felt like the rapid fire nature, the, the chemistry between the Ghostbusters, it really, to me, did feel like almost like a direct continuation of Bridesmaids because there was a lot of that, like, um, almost not delivered directly to the camera kind of humor, you know, where, like, like Kristen Wiig's obsession with Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. And there was, like, lots of moments where she wouldn't even be the focus of the shot, but there'd be something she was doing that was yeah. kind of, like, pervy or uncomfortable, and yeah, somebody and else would be just like, be like... But she'd be like, hold my hand a little longer. Yeah, just weird stuff yeah. like that. And it was just like, you know, I don't know. I I don't know, man. I, I, th- I thought it was good. Like, I just thought it was like a fun movie. I would I would see it again for sure. I And well, I also, go here's that the far. other thing. I wouldn't go that far at all. I would definitely see it again. The other thing that I thought uh, was pretty funny, which could have been... I don't know. I'm sure that some people, I'm sure a lot of people, especially people in our circle of friends will think that maybe it's stupid and Uh obvious the way that they did it. But I thought the cameos were good. Oh, no, no. Like the cameos were amazing. No, Daryl as well. I'm going to speak for him. He was, he was very pleased by the cameos. It was great. So (laughs) spoiler alert, all of the cast of the original Ghostbusters. Well, RIP Harold Ramis. But he he kind of makes a cameo. Yeah, like, he's in the bu- the bus. The yeah, film at the they, beginning. they yeah. yeah. There's a statue. He's the first one, in fact. Yeah, that uh, that comes up. That I thought. I I don't know. I thought they did a, a quite a, a good job of the cab. The cab. The cab was the funniest though. That was like the best when he yeah. just rolled up. And he's like, oh, these these uh, class five. Uh, fuck. What does he say? Like floating uh, apparitions or apparition, spectral yeah. apparitions? I don't he's know. Like, know yeah, nothing nothing to worry about. Yeah, like he's, he's not like, even he's not even worried at all. But it's so heavy-handed. At one point, he's just like, "Yeah, I'm not, I'm no, I'm not I, afraid, I'm no, afraid ghost. no ghost." Yeah, uh, it was it was good though. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's, yeah, no, that's hilarious." I like that they kind of had a nod that, aside from him just delivering a cheesy line from the original one, like that he was just this cab driver that actually knew. Like it's almost like, "Oh, is that supposed to be?" Yeah, you know, like and now he's just a cab driver. <laughs> like, even, was, even the fire hall mix cameo. That's a joke that I loved. The what? The fire hall? Oh yeah. When they're like, yeah, and the rent's only like twenty one thousand dollars a month. Yeah, she's just like, go to hell. Um, 
I so the characters, uh, some of the other characters that I really liked in the film, uh, Zach Woods from uh, oh, yeah. from Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley, his character was pretty funny, and I loved the uh, delivery guy. And he, I've seen him in something before. Oh, he's in Deadpool. He's the cab driver from Deadpool. Yeah. Anyhow, funny dude. Yeah. The, okay, you know, one of the things that I didn't like, because I haven't really said anything that I didn't like, yeah. not that that's the goal of this, but um, two artists that I love collaborated to make a song that I just hated. <laughs> Which yeah. is, I mean, who knows? Maybe that's something that will somehow grow on me, but I doubt it. It was not a good remix of, or the, remake the original, of, yeah. of the original song. I like how much the just the original score was just used in this movie, though. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, like the structure is the same as the first one, you know? Starts with like a, I don't know. It was, it, it felt just like a new episode for me. Uh, I'm really surprised, though, because y- your... You know, you talk about dope a lot and how it's, you know, this movie where the characters are of a different race, but it, it race doesn't really play into it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of surprised that you kind of, you looked at the black character in this film and you well, weren't like, because the, come on guys. Yeah. I mean, I guess part of me maybe a little bit was, but the other thing was that I also am, when it comes to gender and race and whenever we talk about these, you know, yeah. people talking about whitewashing and this, you know, and they type, type cast and like you know all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. um i can appreciate why people why that makes people upset but i also think that there is like a time and place for that where it makes sense and i think that the idea of a character who you know who let's face it is like working class working the subway booth in new york city sure. and knows all of the stuff about the city and has mm-hmm. the street smarts in the team is a black woman doesn't really bother me because i mean i'm not from new york but i know that like i fucking live in a big city like you can see you know they could have literally replaced her sure with any other ethnicity Mm -hmm. but it's likely that she's gonna fall in probably one of the minorities i mean that's just sort of like a reality you know i think i mean right i don't know statistically how true that is maybe that's just prejudice coming through in the way that i think about it but it would be different if it was like and the difference with dope is that it specifically is looking at that issue like it's specifically taking that group of kids like a young kids in a current generation in an in a well but i think like it or not this movie is you know taking a look at some inequality issues yeah right? i mean there's lots of things that turns on the head there the quote-unquote bimbo secretary is a big hunky male all yeah. of the cast is female like sure but i mean Again, I don't know. It's like I just feel like if they're gonna if they're gonna make some of those changes, they should have made some others. Yeah, like but, why why couldn't Kate McKinnon be the subway character? Like yeah, character or somebody, that, you know? Yeah, and like just swap those characters. Yeah, yeah. Any anyhow, let's let's. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. But it did watching the movie. It didn't necessarily bother me. That also just could be because I'm just so used to it that uh, I, unfortunately I, I know I that I said it was crap at the beginning of this. But I will say that if you enjoyed the original Ghostbusters, it's at least worth a watch. You should watch this film because... And I was saying this to Daryl as we left the theater. I think that part of our love for some of these films, and people might crucify me for this, but like like Star Wars, like Ghostbusters, like, uh, I don't know, you could name a bunch, have a lot to do with the film 
but also have a lot to do with who we were when we saw the film. Mm-hmm. And I think that some kids these days, you know, 12, 14, 16 year olds, 10 year olds who see this film, that's going to be the, their Ghostbusters, you know, yeah. and then they might go back and watch the older ones and love those two, but they're going to love this film. I think they for will. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It just, for me, it's hard to look past, uh, well, look past the original films and look past the idea that if they were going to deviate and, f- and focus on some things, they should have g- gone all the way with it, I think. I mean, they still could have made it funny, obviously, but I, I don't know. Anyhow, anyhow. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's kind of like a constant, the sort of idea of like compromise and this kind of stuff, I think is kind of like a hot topic. Because like for me, a recent example was this Iron Man business. <laughs> It's like they announced that Iron Man in the in the Marvel comics and like the main universe is yeah. gonna be this uh like a sixteen year old uh black girl from Chicago. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And it like exploded the internet. And I'm not even like focusing on the fucking idiots who are, you know, upset over the fact that Iron Man is now a female or that, you know, or whatever. The but the thing that to me jumped out was that there is this pretty large group of people that were upset that they were like oh they got brian michael bendis writing this right and they're like why don't they have a black woman writing this comic book and i was like okay Uh. guys you know what like on the one hand you get skewered for saying like baby steps you know maybe having one of the greatest right current writers of like hero comics taking on a flagship character who's being reimagined to try to appeal to a new audience will inspire some girls to want to grow up to be comic book writers because when I, I'm sure they, they're out there. I'm not saying that they're not, but like you go to TCAF and see like independent creators, you go to like any fan expo or even just as somebody who reads comics, it's not something that really, you're not just going to go out there and just pick somebody because, you know what I mean? And it kind of yeah. ties into the whole, again, the whitewashing, you know, casting actors that need to be the same ethnicity as like, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So for me, it's just sort of like, okay, well, I can absolutely understand why people might be upset that Leslie Jones' character in this Ghostbusters movie was the stereotypical sassy black woman, right? But for whatever reason, I'm not even saying that it was more tastefully done than in some other, or if it even can be tastefully done, but that is a stereotype for, you know, that is a person that exists. And when I watched this movie as as a person of color, yeah, I was not at any point like, it just did, I don't know. Again, maybe it's just fucking living where I live and just being used to it, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. it wasn't a situation where like fucking Barbershop or like Tyler Perry or these movies that are like all black casts that just, I feel like set back <laughs> like race. Yeah. <laughs> Issues I, of race, like decades. It's like, this was just like, I was like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. She's All I'm saying is if they're going to flip the whole secretary thing on its head, yeah. which they do. Flip the race thing too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, it's a good point. I mean, I, any but a, a, again, I would it, be inter- I'd be interested. Sorry to cut you off. I'd be interested to now go on the internet and read up on what Leslie Jones thinks about that because I'm sure that that's come up. Yeah, as just like a, as like a topic. Like I, you know, people being like, "Oh yeah, like good for you for being in this Ghostbusters movie," but way to like totally just play the yeah. You know. Anyway, I don't know. Again, if you like Ghostbusters, at least watch this film once. Uh, I think that's the uh, the maximum amount of times that I will probably watch this film. But 
I think it's at least worth a viewing because it was very close to falling either way. I fell towards the I don't like it side because there was a lot more things. Not a lot. There were a few more things in this film that I didn't like over that I did like. But I would say for me, it's in the like, you know, high 40s to low 50% range, which is, you know, right in there. And I mean, true ratings, not this like anything less than a 70 is crap. I mean, 50% of the movies I like, 50% of the movies I don't like. Anyhow, so it's right in there. Check it out. There's there's definitely some funny moments. I laughed out loud. But because we're doing this whole nostalgic kick episode, I mean, this one's a film one. The next one's going to be more, di- a little different. But what are some of your favorite 80s films? I mean, for, let's let's uh, take out the obvious one, Star Wars, Ghostbusters, because, you know, we, we talk about that shit all the time. But, like, what are some of your favorite traditional 80s films? I mentioned well, a few. I like war games a lot. I'm just going to uh, triple check to make sure that some of the movies I'm thinking of are actually technically 80s movies. I love Real Genius. Uh, I don't know if Weekend at Bernie's, if that's like early 90s or 80s, uh, but I loved that film. Oh, The Lost Boys. Is that in 80s? I feel like uh, that's 89. I don't know. It's late. Is it not like 90? I don't know. I would say uh, The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing is up there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was poster. Like a, Great poster. Yeah. And also is in, there is a clip of, because uh, it came out in 82. Lost Boys is 87. John Carpenter's The Thing came out in 1982. And in Stranger Things, which is set in 1983, there is a scene where characters are watching The Thing on TV. Because that movie still blow the practical effects in that movie mm-hmm. are fucking insane the whole uh guy whose chest opens up and like bites off the doctor's hands and then like his head stretches out off that table yeah yeah and then grows crab legs and walks away i was just like what the fuck yeah that was that was a good one um i don't know man like it's <sighs> There's just like a weird vibe that a lot of those movies have that I can just watch and enjoy. Gremlins. Yeah, I I don't know what it is. Yeah, I couldn't like no, you could probably you're not, you weren't as excited about Gremlins as I thought you would be because I no, fucking love that movie. Not not huge, not huge into it. What about Weird Science? Uh, or yeah, I mean, or did you just like did you watch the TV show? Because it was I a did TV see the show TV show, but I saw the movie as well. Um, I know. Give me some more. What were some more good movies of the eighties? I'm so uh, like, I keep thinking of movies. That Beetlejuice. I fucking love Beetlejuice. What a crazy fucking concept for. Okay. Wait, here, go on. What I was going to say. Wait. It, <laughs> no, go on. <laughs> no, so go on. there's like a, a weird, I feel like the eighties when you're talking about like all the technology. Yeah. The eighties was a time for, movies that has like not been i mean arguably i'm sure if you're out there and you disagree with this statement please reach out to us and let us know what you think but i feel like there was a lot of shit that was turned into a live action movie in the 80s yeah that would be really really fucking hard to sell through it like super late 70s 80s early 90s you know your little your uh, big trouble in little china 
even like Ninja Turtles being like live action, there's just this weird and like the horror movies were super, you know, you had like yeah, all Beatles these Yeah, Beetlejuice is on there for sure. Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Oh, there's so many fucking, bu- and there is just so bizarre. Like there, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure you could, if you painstakingly went over a list or maybe not even painstakingly, you could find movies, you could draw parallels to movies that have come out in the, the aughts, if you will, well, that are similar. But now like, I'm looking for lists. Uh, well, well, for me, a movie that kind of had a feeling as just being kind. Two movies that had that sort of weirdness were Fifth Element and then Guardians of the Galaxy. As ooh. they don't, they don't feel less necessarily like '80s movies, but just the fact that they're so fucking weird. I would agree, Fifth Element more than Guardians. Sure, but I feel like Guardians was just a newer version of Fifth Element to me uh, in its feel. But but no, I think the Fifth Element had the same sort of like weird, dark feel that some of these things have. Like I. I keep telling Andrew that we got to do an episode on uh, heavy metal. And I think heavy metal has this like almost disconcerting feel to it. The same like Roger Rabbit, I think has that feel. Blade Runner definitely has that feel. Oh, does that, is that part of your list of movies that we can't list? Cause Blade Runner is just one of my favorite movies period. So no, we can list that because I love it as well. I mean, not that I don't love star Wars or Indiana Jones or whatever, but those are like, that's low hanging fruit, you know, like Fast Times at Ridgemount High. If you haven't seen these movies, like, come on, Beverly Hills Cop. Oh yeah, Stand by Me, the first Stand one. Stand by Aliens. Me. Oh yeah. Well, wait. I really like Alien. Is nineteen seventy nine, right? I think it was right before the eighties. Yeah. And then Aliens. Ah, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Aliens. Yeah. Fuck. There are some some real. Some okay, real so gems. Out of all those things that we listed, what really hits home for nostalgia for you when you're like, when you see it, you're like, oh man. Fuck, dude. I don't know. Pro- I mean, probably the ones that we kind of were like, oh, well, that's nostalgic for everybody. I like, mean, The Goonies for me, that, that's an obvious one, but every time I see that film, it really fucking brings me back. I mean, it even has that Asian character with the puffer and like, which is hilarious because as a kid, like I, so I don't identify as Asian and I didn't think of him as the Asian kid. To me, he was just a kid coming up with all these hilarious gadgets. Right. Okay. And I was like, ah, oh, this kid's so cool. Like, cause I love gadgets. Like I always played with Meccano and Lego and all this stuff trying to make things. And so as a kid, I would always run around pretending I had a puffer cause I wanted to be <laughs> this kid That's from the funny. Goonies. Uh, I think, the the obvious ones the star wars movies um there there's a couple movies like you still get nostalgic feelings watching star wars though i mean a little bit so many times here's the thing for me is that i think that like you know i'm born in the 80s but i was pretty young still you know like i'm a little older you're a little older but for me it was really like early 90s if i'm honest you know obviously i've seen a lot of shit from the 80s and a lot of that stuff was still around but i was like 85 so i was still really young so the thing for me is like that was before i was even old enough to really be like sneaking and seeing movies that i wasn't supposed to watch you know like the predators and oh yeah we talked about this my parents just my dad loved films and i watched everything i saw terminator 2 when it came out in theaters yeah that's sick that's that would be amazing to see in theaters um and for me like the earliest movie that i remember seeing is was Jurassic Park. So like that oh, was Oh really? Like, yeah. That like seeing in theaters and just being like, oh fuck. And that's like ninety three. So okay. it's not that I don't I definitely get those nostalgic feelings, but it's it's for 
like we you know like a lot of anime anime there's a lot of oh. fucking amazing anime dude uh, i get and even disney animated movies that were in the 80s and then early 90s but like oliver and company i think that's got to be late 80s probably okay um you know i was talking to a bunch of people they didn't know fievel yeah that's weird don bluth they've never seen fievel goes west or or american tale like i was playing that game heads up with some people and i'm like mouse he goes to america <laughs> the streets are made of cheese <laughs> and they're like I, I don't know what this is and i'm like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> that's a little weird all dogs go to heaven anyway yeah but anime is also a big one for me ninja scroll or perfect blue when I see those, I get super nostalgic. Yeah, like, it gets it gets animated into, boobs. What? Macross Plus, which I think is nineties. Oh my god! Can we just watch that yeah, like outside it. of this podcast? Absolutely, we I can. Fucking, that's my favorite anime of all time. Blows my it's, mind. It's fantastic. The animation is unreal. Those dog fights, fucking crazy. Just a subject. Anyway, but but uh, yeah. So for me, like the the feelings of nostalgia are connected to things that either i can't place like so what this movie nailed for me was the music mm-hmm. you know what i mean or sorry not the movie this tv show stranger things yeah because even though it's, it's modern synthy yeah it's a little heavy-handed but i loved it but but that's what i mean like, like drive-esque you know yeah there are things where i may not remember a specific movie where i was like oh this is like fucking halloween this is like john yeah. carpenter you know but this the for main me, theme just, song is amazing it's just it's just things that like take me i guess this is just the definition of nostalgia but it like takes me back mentally without it being too specific a thing so for me it's kind of a little bit all over the place because again it was more for me when i was aware of things it was like the right at the turn of like 80s to 90s yeah you know what i mean i'm gonna use the theme song for the show as the intro to this episode boom you know and you're not even gonna know about it until i just said it now and you'll already have listened to about an hour of this podcast so Oh, fuck. There it is. There it the is. Magic of recording. Do uh, we want to, do we want to, I mean, we could talk about old shit for a long time here. Well, do I was going to say, the recommendations? yeah, let's get there. All right. What do you got? Because I got something that's basically direct continuation of what we were just talking about. Yeah. Uh, you're probably going to talk about some, some of that guy's music who doesn't release shit ever, right? No, but that would have been a good, the Johnny Jewel. Yeah. Yeah. Italians do it better. That, this would have been a perfect, I uh, know. No. Okay. Before you get to that though. My recommendation also perfectly ties in with all of this nostalgic shit and is about to be a movie, I think, directed by Steven Spielberg. So if Spielberg, if you are listening to this or have seen Stranger Things, make your movie <laughs> like just take notes because it's going to be hard to make this film without being too heavy handed. But it's a book called Ready Player One. Oh, yeah. Right on. If right on, right on. You like... All the things we just talked about, all the throwback stuff. I don't know. If you just like nerd culture in general, read this book. Because the entire time I was reading it, I felt in my heart, I was like, this book is written for me. This book is the same way that I felt watching the show. Have you read Ready Player One? Do you have it? Yeah. No, I haven't yet. Tom Tom recommended it to me. Oh, man. Can I just take it tonight? Because can find it. Yeah, if we can find it. Um, but the way I felt reading this book, I was like, this is, this is my book. Like in the same way that I was watching the show and I was like, I feel like somebody like went into my brain, you know, played around a little bit and was like, okay, let's make a show for this guy. 
Yeah. And that was the show. And this book is like that too. So if you've ever, if you watch Community or have watched Community, there's an episode where they go to Chevy Chase's uh, dad's estate and they all get put into a computer. And like, oh, yeah. That is, they stole that from the plot of Ready Player One. And if you thought that was funny, then I you did should, think it was funny. You should probably watch this. Uh, watch this. You should probably read this book and read it before the movie comes out because, oh man, is it good! <laughs> uh, all right, I won't get too much into it, but all I'll say is it it exists in a VR world, which you know isn't that far off anymore. You put on these headsets and you, uh, you kind of like it interacts with your brain and you think that you're in these places. And there's, it's a vast galaxy full of worlds and each world is a different, so like there's a Star Wars world or there's a Star Wars galaxy even where there's like Hoth and Endor and all this stuff. And then you go to a different planet and it's like Middle Earth and you go to like, and it all exists in this, in this, like on the internet essentially where you can, you can go and you can experience or hang out with fans of that thing or experience that thing. Or there's worlds where it's like war games. You just go in and you are the main character in war games. And the way that we would play video games, you are reenacting these films as a character in the film. And you get points for like getting the lines exactly right and reacting the right ways. And that's like how they play video games. And then someone comes up with this tournament. It's like a giant scavenger hunt. The guy who created this whole system has said, if you can complete the scavenger hunt, whoever completes it gets to own all of this. It's, it's almost as if Bill Gates you know, was like, okay, my entire fortune is up for grabs now. If you can figure out all these little things that I've hidden throughout the internet, yeah, like, that's, it's yours. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be a right nightmare, like a licensing nightmare making that movie. Well, everyone's like, well, they did it with Roger Rabbit. They did it with Wreck-It, Wreck-It yeah. Ralph. And Which the sequel to Wreck-It Ralph, there's like rumors about who's going to be in that movie right. that they're getting the licensing for, which but should be good. The idea that Spielberg has signed on to direct this film should be enough to get like, everybody just throw in their... Well, I don't know if it's enough, but it's at least a launching off point to say, hey... I need the rights to war games. I need the rights to Star Wars. I need the rights to this. I need the rights to that. And they might listen to him. There's not. There's very few people that I think have the clout to be able to pull something like that off. Cache. So, anyway, on to your cool, recommendation. Uh, well, so you made a good point about me recommending Johnny Jewel, who I'm not going to recommend specifically. It's not going to count as my recommendation, but you should still check out chromatics everything on the label italians do it better because it's very much like heavily 80s inspired since he did a lot of he does work with um uh nicholas winning refin you know for oh, yeah, like yeah. scores to you know clint mansell i just read about him for something neon demon currently oh yeah right yeah, yeah yeah we should see that uh, yeah we should anyway it's uh the what i'm going to recommend is actually john carpenter for like the fifth time in this podcast it's come up he um has two records that are called john carpenter's lost themes where he what? just composes music i've never heard they're this. recent they, the, a... the most recent oh, one okay. came out i think like last year like it was like 2015 and the other one like two years before that so it's but, a pretty hidden gem yeah but well yeah it is it is and it isn't like if you are the type of person that like loves records it was something that in almost every record store i went to when it came out was like featured prominently as like a new release but 
if you are at all into old horror soundtrack, like if you're into like the Mondo type stuff, old horror movie or Death Waltz, all that old like you know synthy eighties horror movie stuff, yeah, or John Carpenter's films, it's like exactly that, but original music, but it sounds as though the reason it's called Lost Themes is literally every track feels as though it could be a theme to a movie that never came out. And there's two albums worth of this. It's fucking great. It's great music to work to. It's incredibly atmospheric, obviously. And oh, like it, Ori and the Blind Forest? No. Wait, oh, you mean great, and that it's great music to work to? Yeah. Mm, it's a little bit more, you have to... That was a callback to a previous episode. Anyway. You have to engage okay. with it a bit more. It, it definitely, because it's got the creepy, like it... it it's yeah, not yeah. enough backgroundy because of its creepiness and because it makes you think of other things, you know, movies that you've seen oh, by him or whatever. I love that feeling of like unease that you get from stuff like that. It's yeah, so it's good. Perfect. Or it follows the it follows score disaster oh, yeah. piece. So it's very, if if you're into any of that stuff, check it out. Um, again, I just want to recommend it because, as you just proved, I, I feel like there's maybe people, unless you're a hardcore John Carpenter fan, that maybe weren't aware that he also just produces like he just makes original music as well yeah um, i mean i don't listen to a lot of soundtrack because he did he did the sound like his those movies that was him yeah yeah right so anyway it's it's definitely worth checking out it's pretty cool sweet all right guys well i think our next episode so i've had a few people we tried to do this a little while ago and i've had a few people kind of mention again you know we should probably say at the end of every episode what we're going to do the next episode the problem is we're not very good at planning ahead, but I will say that I think our next episode is going to be somewhat way home related, if not recorded at way home, because we will be at way home. And for those of you expect who expect it to be probably hard to follow. Yeah. Pretty manic. I'm going to be <laughs> drinking lots of Kratom. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it's, it's probably going to be a music episode. I'm going to guess. And I don't know what it's going to be on, but just we will do our best going forward to try and mention what'll be in the next episodes. The episode after that is going to be part two of our nostalgia train in which we're going to look at some nostalgic video games that we used to play as kids and see, you know, if they hold up. Does it actually hold up? That's yeah. a great idea. I, you know what I, I think we should do for the way home episode though, is yeah. that we should cut, Maybe not like live witness news where they make up fake bands, but we should ask people yeah. who they're excited to see right. that people might not know about on a side stage. That'd be like the hidden gem. Or who they and, wish was here. Something like that. Yeah. But I just mean like things that we could actually consume at Way Home. Oh, I and see. And then talk about. So like so we'd be try like try and find people who, who are going to see bands that we've never heard of. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like that's the a good bo- idea. You know? And then the and then the flip of that is being like because you, it's a fucking music festival. You know there are going to be people there that are like, oh, fucking fuck Arcade Fire. I mean, that's a bad example, but you know, the, the top like four lines of bands, right. they're too mainstream. Or like there's going to be somebody where they're like, oh, this band is the fucking worst. And that will be the God Maybe they it. can tell us why, yeah. So the God of Love It will be, we'll have to see at least one set by a band that we don't know that somebody is like, oh, that this band's be, amazing. That won't be hard for me. Oh, okay. And then the other thing that we should do is try to find a band that maybe we've heard one or two tracks and we hated them or like, a band that we just don't want to see and go just see what, see who is fucking watching this who, band. Who's perform. that girl that everyone's like, you got to go see her. It's like paper clips. No, what the, what the fuck? Yeah, there you go. 
Yeah. Well, I, I love FK Twigs. I've seen her before. So yeah, no, I know. But every, everyone's saying to me, like, oh, you got to see it. That's got to like, be your hidden gem. I have no idea what the fuck that is. <laughs> like, I know now more than I did before. Sure. I I, even, I still haven't heard it. Like, I'm, just, oh, I'm, bro. I'm going in blind. I'll hook you up. But man. everyone keeps telling me, like, oh, listen to this, listen to this. I'm excited. It's going to yeah. be cool. That'd be a good way to do it, though, eh? I feel like if we expose yeah. ourselves to at least one 45-minute set of something that we absolutely hate before way home yeah we could probably get some pretty funny material out of it absolutely so just to loop back around before we go the episode after the way home episode will be nostalgic video games so if there are video games that you play that you feel are nostalgic email us mailbag at loveitpod.com and maybe just maybe it'll be on our video game nostalgia episode what we're just gonna do we're just gonna run a bunch of video games we're not just gonna it's not going to be the normal format where it's like one, you got to love it, one hidden gem. one No, we'll, we'll just do like a, you know, rapid fire, boom, 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 and just see, does it hold up? Is it fun? You know, or is it Ninja Turtles, a video game, which I still love, but a lot of people are like, fuck that game. I wish that Nintendo thing was already out. That little like Nintendo box that had, I mean, emulators, sure, but. Well, that's what know, it, it is. Contains, it's essentially an emulator. Yeah, but it contains like this kind of greatest hits list you know you're just like ooh. yeah we have the opposite problem of too much choice you go through the list and then you're just like oh what the fuck is some crazy shit in there zombies ate my neighbors oh yeah we got to play that shit because i want to see if that is still as awesome as it was so that thing finally added in alphabetical control so i can go to any letter now instead of having to scroll down the list fantastic oh game changer we're doing that with joe yeah. Well, I'm going to try and reel him in. He said he was interested. So, Joe, if you're listening, get your fucking ass over here. All right, guys. Have a good night. Peace. Peace.